Welcome to 501 Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, President and CEO of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. Well, friends, Natalie is still at the dojo, and she's working on her nonprofit ninja skills, and you know what they say, practice makes perfect. So, But we're, today we're going to talk about a really overlooked member of the nonprofit staff. This is probably the person that everybody sneers at in the lunchroom, everybody's person they love to hate, the CFO. Um, so today we've got Katie Zayner from Brownsmith Wallace. She's back, and she's about to tell us about why this position is important, how does a CEO need to think about hiring a CFO? How would a less experienced CEO go about evaluating those potential candidates? How that how we're going to provide some oversight, performance evaluation, and direction to a skilled CFO, especially in terms of integrity. And this is going to be really important for you, those EDs and CEOs out there who may hate finance, don't want anything to do with it, and you need somebody to help you. So, um, so thank you, Katie, for coming. Tell us a little bit about yourself really quick. Thank you so much for having me. This is my second time here, and I'm thrilled to be back. Um, I'm Katie Zayner, um, an audit manager with Brown Smith Wallace. It's a public accounting firm, and I've been in accounting for 11 years. Um, the last seven here in St. Louis, I started my career in Memphis, Tennessee, and um, I've gravitated towards the not-for-profit niche because nice. I love working with not-for-profits. It's well, so much fun. We all do, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. So let's start with the basics for those of us out there that are just really like me, that mm, finance is fine, we know we have to do it, but... What's a CFO? What's, what are their responsibilities? What are they supposed to be doing in our organizations? So it is very important to understand for a CEO or executive director, I'll mm -hmm. use that term interchangeably, um, to understand the role and the expectations um, for a CFO prior to even being able to properly evaluate or even monitor a CFO. Um, the definitions of a CFO, they vary and the responsibilities mm -hmm. responsibilities vary by organization. Um, the key is it depends on the size of the MPO, uh, the budget, how much money mm. do you have to spend um, on that that role, the complexity of revenue streams. And and I mean, government grants, they can be more complex. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. the hoops you have to jump. <laughs> the reporting and tracking of those um, can be complex. Or you may be an organization that gets your donations and revenue from individuals or corporations with very little complexity to it. So it depends on that as well. But generally, a CFO is a senior level manager who oversees your accounting and finances in your organization. Um, in my experience, I've seen both ends of the spectrum. So I've seen CFOs who focus on the strategy, big picture, negotiating um, with a significant financial team below them. And then I've also seen a CFO with a couple of finance staff, um, and that CFO ends up focusing on data and financial reporting and more detailed processes. The responsibilities really range and are customized to the needs of your individual not-for-profit. Um, different responsibilities, though, as I mentioned, a CFO can wear many hats. So I've yeah. seen, I'm not sure they love it, <laughs> but I have seen CFOs in organizations that are responsible for accounting, human resources, technology, um, legal investment, <laughs> real estate, just all business type things. Yeah. So they almost become like the COO if you're in a nonprofit. You maybe get mm -hmm. to do a little bit of both. Yes. Nice. So you mentioned a while back uh, budget. It, for a typical nonprofit that's going to be hiring a CEO, maybe for the first time, or CFO, maybe for the first time, what kind of budget range do you usually start the, start at? Like, 
how much is my organization bringing in in revenue expenses to to even need a CEO or CFO? I'm going to mess that up the entire show, guys. So I'm real sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, budget budgets below 1.5 million, so your okay. operating budget is at that point. They often can't mm-hmm. afford the position, yeah. and honestly, they don't need the specific skill set of a mm-hmm. CFO. Um, budgets between 1.5 million and 10 million, which I will refer to as midsize, they tend to have that CFO that has responsibility in the multiple areas. Like I mentioned, accounting, mm-hmm. HR, legal. Um, and then you get a more significant operating budget over 40 million and they narrow their focus. That CFO really narrows their focus to accounting and finance issues. Um, a midsize org between 1.5 and 10, it could lean both ways. So if it's got a lot of complexities and in, in revenue streams and stuff, um, like that, then it would probably be a more narrowed focused position. Whereas if there's not a lot of complexities, then it would lead more to wearing a lot of hats and different business aspects of the organization. Now, one uh, term that I've heard thrown around, and I've never really quite grasped like what the difference is, is I've heard about a controller a lot. Controller, CFO, what's the difference? Yes. Um, most organizations actually don't have both, but we're going to okay. talk about both. Um, controllers, they really focus on capturing the information and producing those financial statements and data. They're very mm-hmm. detailed. They're um, in the weeds, mm-hmm. knee deep in Excel spreadsheets. They know mm-hmm. everything about Excel. <laughs> um, and they manage the technical aspects like accounts receivable, accounts payable, some of the payroll. And, and a CFO is more big picture, strategic. They will be deeply involved involved in uh, the numbers in the budget, but the controller may put it together in the spreadsheet. Okay. Um, they need to do financial analysis. And and what's key in their role is to interpret financial data and be able to communicate that um, to other members of the staff that might be outside of finance. Okay. Well, that makes it a little more clear. So why would a nonprofit hire a CFO in the first place? Like, why do we need those folks? Why can't we just have like a lot of nice accountants running around doing accounting things. <laughs> well, so lately, MPOs, they really face increased scrutiny of their financials and their performance. Oh, yeah, we do. You know that. Yeah, you know that. well, we just had that last show with you on a couple of weeks ago. And right. Man. <laughs> oh, man. I know. So there's that and then higher accountability to the public trust. If you're an MPO using donor money, I mean, they're really taking a close look at you. Mm-hmm. And then, like you mentioned, financial statement changes, the guidance changes that I was here talking about um, last month. These are all good reasons to consider having a CFO come into your organization. Nice. So um, what is the CEO's role, I guess, in, in hiring a CFO? I, I mean, because I'm looking at it from maybe my perspective and I'm going... You know, I I know enough about accounting. I I took microeconomics and macroeconomics and I took an accounting course in college and I mean, I can read my financial statements, but I don't feel like I have the like the know-how really to go out and say, "Okay, CFO, here are the list of questions I can ask." I'm probably going to actually like pull most of my knowledge off the internet and or this show. So, tell me what I got to do. What do I need to do about this? <laughs> So it's interesting enough that research notes that even a highly competent and thoughtful CFO, they'll struggle to succeed in an environment where that organization doesn't quite understand or value Mm-hmm. their role there, the importance of their role. So we so, shouldn't laugh at them in the long no, term. No, oh, we got to stop no, that, guys. No. Got to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's key for a CEO to really build a team to help with the hiring. So you need a board member's perspective, mm-hmm. um, different other executives in your group, um, an auditor perhaps 
can be involved, mm-hmm. not make a dis- make the decision, but be involved and help you with the questions to ask. Oh, that's a really great idea. And um, I will actually provide a piece of content that you can share with this link on Facebook cool. of questions um, that you may ask a CFO in the interview process. But other people on the interview team could be a program individual and a development person because the CFO is going to work with all those different areas. Um, and sometimes it's a struggle to explain to a program person or a development person the importance of uh, some record keeping that we have to do yeah. <laughs> um, and know the value and, and the reason behind why you have to track and report the, the program and development aspects. Um the CEO really has to know themselves, and I know that sounds funny, but mm-hmm. know yourself and your organization. Um, be open to being challenged by someone with deeper finance skills, um, and make sure your organization is ready to, to embrace that, to mm-hmm. have a CFO come in with those deep skills and um, provide insight and maybe cha- make some changes to reporting. I and it's a little better to have that you know, in the staff room instead of being in front of the board and trying to explain these financials right. and going, having your board challenge you, but you know, that's good. Yes. Um, consider qualities necessary for a new CFO to work effectively with your group and make sure it's a good fit for you and in culture and style and uh, really invest in this process, mm-hmm. invest time and the different resources and people consider various interviews and um, maybe one in a more laid back setting to get a better sense of, of their personality. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a key position yeah. that, that typically they come in a CFO to stay for a while. It's not a position that turns frequently in the not-for-profit world. Oh, that's um, nice. It's not like those development directors out there, huh? Right. <laughs> right. And CFOs in the for-profit world turn more than in the not-for-profit world. So really um, invest and and vet this process out And if you need a CFO and then also in the hiring process. All right. So what are some key uh, considerations that we need to take into, I guess, consideration when we're actually going through this hiring process? Um, The success of a CFO is really dependent on um, conditions and areas such as the mindset and skills of that CFO and then the level of support for the CFO. CFO position and who they have under them and how others in the organization um, feel about their position as well, kind of how Mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier. But you've got to look at their characteristics, their qualifications, skills, and experience. Um, Some characteristics that I've seen for an ideal CFO, um, and this is my favorite saying, but (laughs) uncompromising integrity. Oh, I I feel like that's huge. Especially Um, in the nonprofit world. And Especially with the guy with the money. <laughs> it says a lot about credibility and about um, the importance of this role and honesty and trust and confidence and constituents. Um, sometimes their role as a CFO is to deliver bad news uh, mm. to the CEO yeah. or the visionary or the executive director, <laughs> um, even if it even if it's risking their job because it benefits all the stakeholders. So they've got to take everybody's interest, um, best interest into account. Sometimes that's not easy to tell a development person or, you know, the different individuals on the flip side, you want to ensure creativity and flexibility. Thinks outside the box. You don't want somebody that's so rigid and strict that they can't think outside of the box and try to figure out a way to say yes to different individuals in the organization. As long as it's as it's an ethical um, matter, yeah. But 
But having that ability to think outside the box with numbers, as long as it's not a Bernie Madoff sort of thinking outside the box, I think that's a good thing because, you know, if we can do some creative things, if we can figure out how to, you know, save a little here and spend a little more Mm -hmm. here and, you know, really make those numbers work together, you know, that's a good thing. Yes, and be flexible and listening to visions and and projects and um, be able to do that. Also, it's key to um, for an ideal CFO to educate to be able to really educate that executive director patiently yes. um, when it comes to the organization's <laughs> finances and their implications and to keep the executive director engaged in the financial matters because Ooh, that's hard. It, I know. <laughs> so, so many times it is boring topic. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody loves numbers. So for the patients and the um, make it exciting enough mm-hmm. to keep them engaged and also just to be able to, educate program staff and the board of directors. Um, they also need to have solid accounting skills and background, need to be visionary and strategic and big picture mentality. And uh, I already mentioned, but be able to speak in non-financial language can translate yes. that to, you know, teach financial literacy to those that are just not financial people and don't yeah. want to be. And there's not, there's a role for everybody and not everybody likes the numbers. Oh, so. big time. Yeah. I think the, the most valuable board members I've had are, have been the ones that have been able to take a look at our financial statements and tell the other board members what they actually mean. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. I can see like having that person on staff would be fantastic. So what kind of qualifications do does a CFO need to have? Should they be a CPA? Should they have, be an MBA? Should they have some nonprofit experience? What like what should we be looking for in that education section? Well, it definitely depends on the size. Again, we keep going back to that, but the size and complexity of the organization, as well as the skill set of your existing financial mm-hmm. staff. So who you already have there, your controller. Um, if there's no CPA present on your financial staff, then I would say it's prudent to have a CFO um, with a CPA mm-hmm. or at least at minimum have a finance committee member with a CPA. Okay. Um, an MBA is a different, is a good good characteristic or qualification to have. Um, it brings strategic perspective, enhanced leadership, a good base of general knowledge to the role. Um, experience with bookkeeping is key just because if you're going to come in and supervise and monitor those that are doing the bookkeeping, mm-hmm. you need to have done it yourself um, before. And then not-for-profit accounting, that's key. It's different. It's yeah. very different. And um, if you don't have experience with a not-for-profit, at minimum, have served on a not-for-profit board and maybe been the treasurer or on the finance committee. Yeah, because we do call all our stuff different things. And the terminology is just different. weird. And then you've got our grants and all mm-hmm. that other fun stuff. And if you do, if you're heavy in the grant space and government funding space, um, you really should look for somebody with experience in that. Mm-hmm. Those There's so many complexities and requirements to grant writing. Well, I guess they wouldn't be grant writing, but... Um, because they're helping those grant writers, right, They're helping them. Somebody's re- got to make that budget. They're reporting, <laughs> and some of the reporting can be um, substantial. So um, if that is something that your NPO is heavily involved in, then I would consider that. And then lastly, a for-profit person. You do see quite often a person that had a really... I don't want to use the word stressful, mm-hmm. but a long, not a uh, long for-profit career where they were very successful. And mm-hmm. then they don't want to retire yet. Mm-hmm. They want to go do something that makes them feel good. And mm-hmm. um, they may end up at a not-for-profit as an executive. They know it's not less stressful here, right? 
Right. <laughs> I don't want to use the word less stressful, yeah. but just kind of a stepping so- stone from corporate world to not-for-profit, then mm-hmm. then later to retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do bring negotiating skills, um, money management, and investment banking, and some of those for-profit oh, nice. aspects to the table. Excellent. So once we've you know asked all the questions, we found all the great people, who on staff or who in the board should help that new CFO acclimate to the new job? Oh, everybody's got a pitch in. Oh, <laughs> no, man. no, 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 no. <laughs> um, uh, the CEO, some different things that they can do is encourage them to attend like special events or public events that are sponsored by the not-for-profit prior to the start date and and introduce them to various members of the organization. Um, you need to announce the new CFO to to all of your staff and the board prior to them starting. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe name them a mentor assigned to them to go to for any objective advice. Um, a CEO in particular needs to provide clear expectations. So it, it, communication is key. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a different style and a, a frequency of how often they want the CFO to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. So that's key for a CEO to set those expectations. Um, a CEO also could provide intel on a CFO's team so they know what finance team they have and their skill sets, their strengths and their weaknesses um, going in. They need to know those things before they go try to manage a team. Um, and then the CEO should be prepared for changes in reporting and, oh, and different yeah. dynamics within the staff and the board. Because if you don't have a CFO and you're just getting one for the first time, they're going to come in and, and look at all the different uh, processes and probably have changes. That's just what a CFO does. Should they be talking to the board a lot or through the CEO? What's, what's the, is there a best practice for that? Um, I think that usually a CFO talks to the CEO. Okay. Yeah. That sounds yes. good to me. Yes. <laughs> so the CEO first and, mm-hmm. and then would report to the board. But um, in my experience, I've seen CFOs go to a CEO and almost even before board member uh, board mm-hmm. meetings go through the, the yeah. information, the CEO needs to be in the know yeah. about the messages, um, how Still it's going to be delivered. Yes, yes. And, yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I will say that um, when they acclimate to your organization, it's crazy to say this, but I've heard that if you get an audit, that that's a good time to bring them in. So <laughs> it kind of forces them into the nitty gritty of evaluating the processes mm-hmm. and internal controls, get an upfront picture of um, strengths and areas of improvement. Mm-hmm. So I I've heard that that's, that that's a good time. I've heard <laughs> that could be a little stressful, but I can see where, yeah, you, you get to look at everything right then. Mm hmm. So what challenges do you think that CFO, CFOs face, especially in nonprofits? Oh, um, well, first off, it's key for the CEO to understand these challenges because how yeah. can you evaluate and monitor somebody if you don't understand their yes. struggles in the industry? Um, so first really thing I want to touch on is rules of not-for-profit finance. And mm. we kind of talked about this the last session, but an example is that Cash. It's not necessarily liquid in the not-for-profit world. Mm -hmm. It may be restricted to use. Um, Unless you connect those dots, you could have liquid cash and appear solvent to yourself or a for-profit person. But actually, you could be in a cash crisis. I don't want to use the word crisis. But there's just different things to understand about MPO, finance, and accounting. Um, I read an example once from a CFO of a not-for-profit, and they said that not-for-profits were wildly inconsistent. Sounds about right. And um, <laughs> and an example was that 
They had to cut back on line items one week mm-hmm. and then uh, in their budget. And then the next week they hadn't spent enough on a specific grant. Yeah. And th- that funding <laughs> was going to spend it or lose it, you mm-hmm. know, um, and that there's a lot of one offs. It's mm-hmm. not. Day like, in, day out, the we same have to spend thing. Spend this money on chairs right now, right? And the grant restrictions can vary greatly. So, so rules of not for profit are just a little bit different. Um, and this is a big one that everyone can relate to: is resource constraints. Mm-hmm. And then NPO, you just have those constraints. Um, you may be scarce on people. Your IT system may be limited in function. Uh, software systems are mm-hmm. ridiculously expensive. So, um, you may be lacking in formal training. Um, or trying to figure out reserves and having six months of a safety net. Um, so you may have the issue of a CFO trying to do both roles of controller and CFO mm-hmm. and wearing all those hats and having to jump from being in the weeds to the big picture. So those are some resource constraints. And then just the culture is a little bit different in a not-for-profit organization. Everybody wants consensus. Yes. Um, you've got to keep your executive director happy. You've got to keep program development happy. You have to keep your volunteers happy to keep them yes. coming back <laughs> um, and your donors as well. So, um, that's a little bit different. You've got to be able to, um, we've already mentioned this, but be able to teach financial literacy mm-hmm. to those that are not as interested in it. <laughs> um, you've got to be good stewards of donated funds and monitoring that spending and um, increasingly stringent requirements are for reporting and transparency and operations. And that's kind of what we talked about in our financial reporting last uh, last time I was here. So things are changing and um, you're having to share more information and be more transparent. These are all things that are a little bit different um, for a CFO and a not-for-profit and can present challenges in their roles. Absolutely. So kind of knowing that, what does a CEO need to know to really evaluate the CFO's performance? So a CEO is going to, there's going to be several things that they can look at when they're evaluating performance, um, financial results. I mean, the budget to actual, mm-hmm. not that it all falls on a CFO. I mean, there's mm-hmm. yeah. different people in a group, other people are spending, that money. spending. <laughs> However, the CFO's job is to be sure to keep a close eye on that and be able to communicate with the different people. So a budget to actual is a, is a way to monitor, mm-hmm. um, and forecasting and cash flows. So it doesn't all fall on the CFO. However, that's their responsibility to be able to communicate to different individuals within the organization. Um, the results of the audit, mm-hmm. if you have to have one, if applicable, I mean, that's a time where you get advisory comments or could have weaknesses in internal control. Mm-hmm. So CEO wants to talk to the auditors, mm-hmm. um, wants to be involved in that process and know the results. Um a CEO should communicate with all levels from staff to board of directors and um, get their feedback and ensure that all pieces of the organization are receiving timely and appropriate and understandable information from the CFO. Oh, yeah. Um, you want your CFO to be connected to the mission. Oh, I mean, if they're yeah. not, then the rest of these may not be taken. uh, These things may not be taken seriously Mm -hmm. if you're not connected to the mission and passionate about it and interested in the longevity and sustainability and the financial health. Mm -hmm. If you're not, I mean, that's key. I should have said that first. If you're not engaged with that. So important for every nonprofit staff member to just 
love that yes. mission they're working yes. for. Um, also, the CEO can ensure that the CFO has a process book, or I call mm-hmm. it a playbook, but <laughs> in case... Um, something were to happen, you don't want all of what you do to be in your head and not yes. have like a cross training or some kind of process manual. So know that they have that in place and you can look to make sure they're following the processes that they've documented. Um, discuss with your CFO how they're managing challenges. And um, then I think I, I've already mentioned, but yeah, be sure to get that feedback from finance staff, board of directors, possibly, you know, other staff members in the different departments. Everybody has touched and communicated somehow you know, communicates with the CFO. So get different perspectives. So kind of beyond all that, you know, throughout the rest of the year, what should the CEO be doing to provide just kind of general oversight and direction to the CFO? Well, um, individuals in a not-for-profit, a lot of times from an auditor's perspective, they don't know why we're asking for things, Mm -hmm. but there's typically always some underlying reason. But a CEO, the importance of sharing knowledge of the relationships from fundraising, development, just vendors. I mean, knowledge of different key relationships with the organization and events and any operation changes. Somehow those things, even if they, you don't think they have a finance element, mm-hmm. it creeps up somehow. Yeah. Somehow it's always connected. <laughs> um, a CEO should share the vision of the organization with the CFO. So the mm-hmm. CFO can know what, what they're striving to do and, and from a financial aspect, try to make that happen. And then a CEO can share the perspectives of the values of the board of directors so that the CFO will know what to present to them and use their time. Uh, their time's valuable. Yeah. So not waste their time and, and kind of know what they want to, not what they want to hear, but what they are most interested in going over from a financial perspective. Awesome. So then we kind of get to like the scary part, um, which is fraud. So you've got somebody whose hands are so into the organization's money um, who, you know, either may be dishonest or maybe they find the dishonest person. Um, How common is fraud in nonprofit organizations and what are maybe some of the key signs? So um, on average, surprisingly, an organization, not-for-profit organization loses 5% of its revenues to fraud each year. I know 5%. all of us? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Supposedly. Wow. I mean, that's. Yeah, the statistic. I hope that's not. more than just a couple of pens. I hope not everybody. I know. <laughs> I know. 5% seems small, but you don't want any money being taken away from a not-for-profit organization. Yeah, absolutely. Um, most asset misappropriation is what we would call it mm-hmm. occurs in a procurement or payment and expense areas. Um, corruption or collusion with, with different members, mm-hmm. um, doing it together. Expense reimbursements is mm-hmm. an area where we have seen not we, I haven't seen that, but an area yeah. I've heard um, can have fraud. And then billing if you're in a program service fee type, yeah. not for profit. Um, some warning signs to to look at are um, maybe budget cutbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, if the CFO is cutting back in the budget and you don't oh. really know why, but if possibly, we we were fine. <laughs> yeah, but possibly they're just making up for theft. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then high turnover. So if you have a high turnover under a CFO, maybe they know about some things that seem unethical mm-hmm. and um, they just want out. So some exit right. interviews or post-exit right. interviews might be appropriate. Mm-hmm. And um, speaking of that, like a vacation policy, if you if you can do this, making it, I've heard of people making it mandatory. Mm. So if you have fraud with a CFO or with the finance team, typically you can't take vacation and keep fraud up. 
Ah. So I've heard of organizations now requiring mandatory, like week long vacations Mm -hmm. um, and not just like a day here and there, because it's very hard to maintain um, a fraudulent activity or situation. Um, Unless you don't take vacation and never leave. Harder to cover that up all the time. (laughs) Um, If your CFO had overemphasis on short-term fundraising goals, Mm -hmm. um, that may, these aren't necessarily signs, but I'm just Mm -hmm. sharing some. Um, If, well, you could get an anonymous tip. So Mm -hmm. I recommend if not-for-profits can do it to have a fraud hotline. Um, If lifestyle or behavior changes Mm -hmm. with uh, the CFO or with members of the finance team, um, if you notice that they're keeping problems more of a secret and not being as transparent with uh, information yeah. on, cause you know, CEOs meet with them, um, periodically, maybe weekly, maybe daily. Mm-hmm. But if you notice kind of like, um, um, that they're not sharing as much, the meetings are shorter and, or, and then lack of background checks on those handling money. Oh yeah. That's scary. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. Um, these are just some things to consider when you're thinking about fraud, because in order for a CEO to properly monitor a CFO, you need to know about their challenges, as we talked about. But you also need to know about where fraud is easier and more prevalent in a not-for-profit to know what you're looking for. Excellent. I feel like I feel a lot better about the possibility of hiring a CFO for our organization. We're still a little too small, but I feel like hopefully a lot of people out there got something out of this today. Learned a little bit about CFOs, why we need them, why we really, you know, actually do want them to be a a beloved part of our organizations. Um, Katie, thank you so much for coming in today. Tell everybody how they can get a hold of you in case they need a little bit more information or maybe interested in, you know, Browns with Wallace helping them out. Thank you again for having me. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to get in touch with me. Um, My phone number is 314-983-1209. And my email address is kzahner, K-Z-A-H-N-E-R, at bswllc.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on 501 Crossroads. Thank you again for having me. And thank you to all of you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite app and subscribe and leave us some feedback so others can find us. You can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.